maintaining a positive attitude like we just chatted about is a big one because you know there's going to be a lot of days where things don't go the way you want them to do and a lot of deals that might not come together as quickly as you want them to come together the listing might not always come your way but you know knowing that there's always another opportunity and and there's lots of business out there and keeping things positive keeping things light and reminding yourself that you're really uh, doing something that people are going to appreciate you know you're looking out for their best interests and you only want to be working with people if if they agree and they want to be working with you too welcome to the leaders of tomorrow podcast my name is chris thompson your host of the show and the head coach of the student works management program this is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow each week we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve let's get started Hey, leaders, really excited about bringing you uh, just an amazing uh, young young person, young leader. His name's uh, Greg Kuchma. He runs the Greg Kuchma team of, uh, uh, in real estate in Burlington with Royal Page Canada. Um, he's one of the top 1% of agents um, where the average agent in Canada is, is probably in their 50s. Uh, he's uh, under 35 and he is one of the top 10 agents nationally under the age of 35. Uh, Greg is uh, just, you know, crushing it in the real estate world and, uh, and just talks about, you know, the challenges uh, to go into a business that is really largely filled with, with older people, you know, skews towards, oh, someone's experience knows the market. And how did, how did he get over that? How did he deal with that? How, how did he deal with the, the lean years uh, when his business was really not doing as well? And how did he, um, you know, persevere and continue to build his business? Um, I know you're going to love the pod. Uh, it really is one of my favorites and, uh, and I, and I know you're going to enjoy it. So, uh, if you know of any other, you know, young leaders. We are in the middle of our recruiting season. We are having our best recruiting season ever. We're seeing so many amazing young leaders. And um, if if you know of anyone, please send them to me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. So you can directly send me an email or you could send them to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Uh, the Student Works Management Program is really, uh, in my main role as a head coach, is, is a really transformational program to really develop amazing young Canadian leaders. So if you know someone who, who's looking for that, please, 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 you know, send them our way and, uh, and we can tell them what's involved. All the best. Have yourself a fantastic day and please enjoy our podcast. So Greg. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I really appreciate uh, you coming and joining us on today. And, and for our listeners, you know, just as an example of stuff that doesn't always happen, stuff that doesn't work, um, I uh, recorded a similar podcast last week and uh, first time ever, it did not record. And so um, what, what's amazing, and I, I just wanted to speak, speak to sort of how Greg handled this, is I called Greg and I was like, you know, tail between my legs. Oh my gosh, 
Like, look, this is what's happened, Greg. And Greg goes, oh, well, we'll just be able to do better, you know, in this podcast. I just I just love it, you know, and again. It felt like the last one was the real deal. <laughs> so so this is going to be great. And I just, again, I just love it. So thank you so much. Um, so, Greg, tell me what you were like before before our program, before the Student Works Management program. Yeah, before, before summer management, I would say the biggest thing would have been um, – less confident and uh, a, a little less experienced for sure. Confidence is probably the biggie. Um, Pre-student works world, you, you don't really yeah. get that opportunity to get out there and um, uh, try a business the same sort of way as, uh, as a student works uh, offered. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what, what were your you know, big frustrations as a teenager before you got started in business? Yeah, so from a, uh, I was always working growing up, always had some sort of a job from the, the, the paper route, refereed soccer, and then I did some lifeguarding, uh, worked at a pizza place, but always the biggest frustration was looking to the, to the, the guy or gal beside me and, and looking at them working half as hard and, and earning the same amount of money as me. And it just, uh, it just you know, it, it created frustration because you're putting in the same amount of time um why am i why am i being compensated the same way if i'm working you know twice as hard yeah and creating more value uh, you know it's just it's just so awesome awesome um you know i i still remember and i don't think i've told the story ryan mcdonald well who knows maybe we'll just get ryan on the podcast ryan has a great story about a canadian tired uh, uh situation and in a similar similar style it's just like it's just like people just it's like okay, I've got to spend eight hours here, and it's a horrible way to spend your life too. Rather yep. than okay, clock in, clock out, and it's like the, the 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 time moves slower. Time moves slower. In fact, you're relating your life to time rather than relating your life to actual results. So it's right. like you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you know, you, you don't feel bored during the day because every moment Greg owns right yeah, now and. Yeah, yeah, and just like, yeah. what am I going to do? 40 hours of stuff to get done in a 24-hour day. Yeah, <laughs> 40 hours, yeah, that's right. You know, it's just like, hey, how can I get more done? And yeah. and then when I'm not getting something done, great, I'm going to go spend time with my uh, young young family and my, 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 my wife. And yeah, work hard, play hard has always been a big one, and I know that was always a, a similar motto for, for your business uh, growing up as well. Absolutely. Um, so what do you still rely on from the program? The biggest thing from the, the program that I rely on is, is just the, the actual importance of uh, keeping in touch and, and follow up uh, and not being forgetful of the fact that once you've done a good job for someone, it does not mean that the, that, that person is no longer uh, incapable of, of providing business to you because the referral and repeat business was a huge part of, of uh, both business in the student works days as well as uh, the real estate world for me today. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. And one of the things I know you 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 operated for two seasons, so you're able to see that over two years that that there there really is a lot of returning business, especially again based on relationship. You know that sure, client you know, people would would test the water with something small, and then the yeah. next year when you get the call, it turns out there's a lot more work there. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, and uh, but but obviously, clearly in the real estate business, you know, people, are, you know, the the average. Uh, the 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 potential value of an average consumer is you know tens of thousands of dollars. Like you know, it's just it's just enormous in terms of you know their primary properties. How many times they move may move, and then secondary secondary uh, 
properties that what they may be interested in buying and using, using again, uh, somebody as a skilled advisor to assist them. So, yep. So, so tell me about your career progress. I know, uh, you know, after, after a couple seasons with student works, what, what did you choose to go do, Greg? Yeah. So after graduating, I, um, uh, after a little bit of travel, I should say, I, I joined a, a corporate job in, in um, actually with Canon, which was more of a technology kind of sales role, um, which I, I liked at the time because there was a, um, you know, a commissioned component. Yes. Was a straight salary, but the, the business world for me on the corporate side, I, I realized that the personal touch was lost and mm-hmm. the, the um, you know, one-on-one um, feeling that you got on the residential side is, was more what I was in tune with and, and more of an emotional connection for me was kind of more important. I didn't feel as appreciated when you're sitting down with someone during business hours and it's strictly an investment decision. It has no, um, you can't really add a whole lot of value the same way you can on the residential side. So that's when I made the decision to jump into the um, residential world in real estate. And I yeah. found real estate at a young age and bought my first investment property, um, university days. Yeah. That's all the money I had saved up. So OSAP funded my first year of university and, um, and that's where real estate originally started for me. But yeah, I, I jumped into the residential real estate world and right. I haven't looked back since and it's been 10 years. So, so Greg, just for our, our our young leaders, you know, describe the like the difference between again, sort of that relationship of selling a home versus going into a small or medium sized business because you weren't on large accounts yet. You would have, I'm sure, if you had chosen to go right. there, you would have gotten to bigger accounts and leadership roles within organizations right. like that. But describe what that is like, just so our our our, our leaders can can hear and kind of go, oh, okay, maybe I'm more this way than that way, but. Please describe that. Um, so, yeah, the, the business side of it for me, the um, dealing with the business owners on a smaller scale, although they, they appreciated you, you know, you mm-hmm. were one of, of um, five or six companies that maybe were coming in to discuss things with them. And you were your it was hard for me to find passion on uh, really feeling like I could. I could add value and really feel like I could maintain a promise when there's so many people after me in line right. that have to do what I'm saying is going to happen. Too many options to let somebody down, whereas um, when I am the person that's that's controlling things, then, then I don't have that fear of, of passing it off and, and realizing that it's not going to happen for, uh, for something that's beyond my control. Okay, awesome, awesome. So I know you went to, you know, one of the, one of the things that we talked about in our last pod was, um, was just the choice of agencies. So you're, you're in Burlington, Burlington's your home turf for student yeah. works and for, for your real estate yeah. and obviously home turf for just, you know, where your family lives and now still where We're they live. Here in Burlington, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So why did you, why did you choose World of Page? What, 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 yeah. What? So in Burlington and, and when I first, you know, dabbled and, and, and thought about getting into real estate, uh, I looked at all of the, the biggest players in Burlington and just from a, from a, a real estate team standpoint and, and all the familiar names seem to come from the same brokerage and right. uh, that was the brokerage that I ended up at and it was uh, just because they had a large market share. It was a well-known Canadian brand Yes, and they're, uh, they've been fantastic to work with but the, the Burlington branch itself is, is family owned and the family that owns it is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're good people and I, mm-hmm. I would swear um, because they always uh, look after us and right. uh, and they're a large brokerage. We represent about forty percent of the market share in Burlington. Wow! Wow! 
So just for a, for a leader in judging, how are you able to, to look at that other than the, the, the results? How are you able to assess the other things, you know, so the more soft things that, that about the mentors in the relationship, about the broker in the relationship, et cetera? Yeah, that was very personal in the sense that you jive with the people that you're sitting in, in, in front of and the program from a training perspective that they offered felt okay. right. Uh, the other important part for us was the brokerage had enough you know, scale and it was large enough that our, our brokers don't sell. They're right. only there to hold us as agents. Some of the smaller outfits and some of the other agencies, the broker would actually be selling as well as trying to manage. And I felt like there was a bit of a conflict there. Okay. Okay. So the main broker, they don't sell. They're just providing leadership and mentorship. That's right. Yeah. So, and what was the training? I know there's a course uh, to, to get, become a real estate professional, but what was the training like at Royal LePrage? What was the yeah, mentorship they, they like? Had, um, they had a, a several different training programs and it's, um, there's lots of different facets. So the, the actual real estate college, you know, doesn't really give you the real, the real um, day-to-day experience and, 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 and uh, training for, you know, the real world, so to speak. Right. The brokerage training was a little more hands-on, a little more um, uh, you're sitting with colleagues learning and a little more role-playing, a little more intimate because it's a smaller group. Right. Um, and, and they're speaking specific to our marketplace because we're all in the same marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual training was, um, I, I think early, early when I first started, it was uh, a couple of times a week. And then there would be certain sessions uh, outside of the new agent training where they offer refreshers for even experienced agents. So that would okay. be an opportunity to chat with some experienced agents in a training uh, platform. Okay. Okay, great. And so I know one, you, you had one sort of strategy early on about, about, you know, sort of helping, helping some of the other agents and they, they would help you, you know, what, what were some of the strategies around yeah, that? Yeah, right? never, never afraid or never too proud to ask for help um, in the sense that they had been down these roads and in these situations a lot, a lot longer because they're a lot more experienced, but they had no concept of a lot of the technology. So I was able to offer help on the technology side and they would help me with the, you know, the transaction side or, or if it was a new, uh, a, a new situation for me, they could help me that way. Right, right. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, you know, first of all, asking and then also looking for areas that you can provide value. Right. So it's feeling like you can't learn anymore. Of course. Yeah. 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 And I think that'll always be the case. Like, you know, one of the cool things about, about people, um, and, and I think a lot of times people don't really recognize this from afar, you know, is, is that, right. is that, wow, this, this person really, really successful in these this may be true, your definition, right? Like, yeah. but they have all these things that are called weaknesses or blind blind spots, or they're not aware of, and and you know, so that again, there's lots of areas for you to sort of provide value and assist them, so that they're absolutely happy to assist you. So, yeah. um, so I remember you you were sort of sharing. You used to hang around the office and 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 again do some work, and then oh, talk to people and learn and and just be involved. Is it is, it, is yeah. a big piece? Yeah, being there at the office was a big one for me. Uh, I, I intentionally didn't have the ability to print at home mm-hmm. for the first five years that I was in the business because I wanted to be there at the office working. And um, you get to know everyone on a different level, and it, and it really helped. I would say uh, speed up the growth of my business. Okay, great, great, excellent, excellent. And so, when you think about your growth, what were the early stages, uh, um, and what, what what was necessary to become? you know, just as massively successful as it have at such a young age? 
Yeah, I would say the biggest thing was just having the confidence that um, there would be the ability to do something that typically everyone thought wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. Being sure that you were providing value to your clients and being sure that um, over time, the seeds that you were planting, you know, would, would start to uh, start to actually grow. Because there's a lot of upfront time and energy and there's no immediate um, satisfaction. There's no short term. Yes, this is working. And yes, you know, these things were, were effective. So right. it's really maintaining a positive attitude and knowing that you're going to get to where you're trying to get to if you, if you keep working at it. Yeah. So why don't you walk us through that? Like, how you know, how, you know, and again, not to like, I'm just interested for, for, you know, obviously you've been very, very successful. I'm not going to ask what you're earning now, um, but it's a lot of money leaders. Uh, but, but Greg, you know, your life first, is expensive. life's expensive. That's you right. Need to earn a lot of money. Yes. You need to earn a lot of money. We recommend that as the leaders yeah, of tomorrow podcast. But what was it like in your first year and your second year and your third year? Like, again, you're putting in a lot of time, you know, what was, you know, sort of the, the income levels if, if you, if you're willing to share. In the early days, yes, 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 that was that was hard. Um, early days, very little income. Uh, mm -hmm. Thankfully, at that point, I made the decision that I was going to not take on my own mortgage and I was going to um, stay at home for a little bit longer. You know, versus Super. going to place. Yeah, I had purchased a couple of investment properties, which were which were you know sustaining themselves and were carrying themselves. Um, but income wise, I would say probably. 30 to 60,000 in the first year or two, um, 30, maybe yeah. the first year, and then maybe up to 60 the second year, but literally yeah. that first year, you know, you're working 80 hours a week and you yeah. should be making a hundred thousand yes. based, based on how hard you're working. Yeah. Um, but you, yeah, it's just like starting any new business, of course. Yeah. And, and more than that, it's, 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 uh, you know, for, for our, our, our leaders, you know, it's, it's not just that Greg, uh, would would have been putting in a lot of time, but Greg's putting a lot of time also being highly skilled. You know, right. Greg would have known former student works operators, former Laurier, you know, business grads who were who were progressing very aggressively in their careers and starting to sort of make more and more money. And you were you were sort of again, you know, kind of not really doing so well. Now again, great strategy, live at home, great strategy, you know, keep your costs low. Um, sure. And, and, and so what, what kept you, you know, just believing that you were going to be an anomaly? Because, you know, again, from an outsider, it doesn't seem that there are that, that many people who start in the real estate business as a young person. Yeah, I know primarily when I joined our brokerage average age was about 60. I think yeah. it's, uh, it's now um, mid-50s right now. But no, in, in terms of it was, it was the confidence, but it was also the – the feeling that when when I had finished that transaction for the few that I finished in the early days, my clients truly appreciated, you know, the level of service they were being offered and, right. and, you know, would say if and when the time comes again, or if I have the ability to, to refer you to another client, hands down, I'm going to do that. Um, and obviously the first people, when you get into the real estate world, the first people that trust you are the people that know you the best. So your closest friends that are buying their first condos. Yeah. Um, and then once, you know, their parents come for the revisit when they bought their first condo and then their parents kind of casually mention that when the time comes for the downsize, you're going to get the call. It's, it's that, um, that immediate uh, gratification after one transaction and that feeling that you get that, you know, you're doing something right. And, and it's, uh, it's value that you're adding, you know, you are providing a really high level service. 
Hey, leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So one of the ways that you're marketing and providing value is you're getting clients, okay? And then you're actually successfully finding them places and, and meeting their needs, okay? So that's one thing. The other big part of real estate and the residential real estate market is, is canvassing and going out and just meeting people. So, and I know you don't do that anymore. You know, we, we do other things to sort of market ourselves and mostly it's by keeping in touch with those amazing clients that we've developed. But um, how many hours of canvassing? How did you structure that into your week? Yeah, um, you know. which, which I, I think we chatted about briefly last time. Our brokerage had a little kiosk at a mall uh, and a lot and a lot of the agents wouldn't, um, you know, wouldn't love to sit there because they think it was a big waste of time. But for me, that was that was a, a great opportunity to meet people that I would not have met elsewhere. And um, sure enough, I ended up with a listing in a really nice neighborhood. And uh, and then the neighbor needed to list. And then the next thing you know, you've sold four or five homes, uh, you know, close to the million dollar price point ten years ago. Um, wow. And that particular neighborhood if it wasn't at that kiosk i never would have listed a single house in the area isn't that fantastic okay that, great you know i spent a lot of time there and um it was just a good opportunity open houses was another big one just right. to right just to be out there and interact with people and see who you jive with and right start to start to build your, your client list your database yeah yeah so, and again, I'm sure there's a lot of open houses that you went to and you didn't meet anyone, right? You didn't, or meaning you didn't meet anyone, there was a connection, anyone, there was a, you know, yeah. so how, how do you, how do you deal with that type, those types of setbacks, et cetera, those types yeah, of, you just uh, gotta remind your, yeah, you got to remind yourself that, uh, that it's, it's going to work out as far as, uh, as far as if, if you will it and, and you want it to happen and you, and you want to work towards something. Yeah. It can't all come easy. Otherwise, right. what's the point? Yes. Yeah. No. And, and the reality is, is that, you know, of course it's not easy because then everyone would sell over $30 million worth of properties a year. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and that's not what's happening. Right. So it's, it's, again, there's, there's, there's all sorts of obstacles. There's all sorts of challenges and that's, that's just, that's just critical. Really? So one of the other, one of the other things that you've done is you've become a broker. Okay. Yeah. So, 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 and I noticed that, um, you know, so, so tell, our leaders, you know, what does a what does a broker mean, and why did you choose to become a broker? What added advantages does that give you? Yeah, so from a from a personal standpoint, um, there, there's not much of a. I mean, the commitment is education. There was a there was a, a relatively involved course that needed to be taken, and, and there was you know a bit of a financial investment. Um, right. But for me, it was as far as I could take my real estate uh, licensing, so right. I said, "Why well, wouldn't I?" Um, right. 
it was that one differentiator for starters between myself and, and the majority of other agents. But right. the other, um, if you're not a broker, then you're a salesperson. And, and I, I never really liked to consider you know, my role in the real estate world, although I sell, I, I don't like to view myself as a salesperson. So that right. was another to get away from that a little bit. Right. Um, you know, technically it could mean that I could open a, you know, a brokerage and, and, um, become my own uh, brokerage independent from anything, but not, not anything that I'd ever consider. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it, it is nice to see um, from from the public's perspective that, you know, this this individual has taken the time to further their education. Right, right. And, and again, for our leaders, it also talks about the masking that people regularly make in their roles as sale, sellers. Right. So, so yeah. sellers are not so often they're not sales, sales professionals. They're, they're brokers, they're vice presidents, they're presidents, they're, you know, they're, they're general managers, etc. You know, so, so it's kind of because there is a, a feeling out there that somehow when someone's selling that, oh, they're self-interested. Right. And that, in fact, the best way to sell is actually be interested in your customer and to look out for your customer's best interest. Right, hands down, and that—that's a big thing that it, that it helps get away from that uh, that misconception. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what have you found most successful about? You know, why do you think you've been able to sort of beat the odds and be really, you know, like top top one percent? And you know, I think it's what top ten in Canada, etc. And you know, yeah, top ten under thirty five. But yeah, for me, it was a, a big part of it was. Just in general, making sure that if I'm going to make a commitment to anybody, if I'm going to tell them that I'm going to do something, come hell or high water, it's going to happen. If I'm going to be at your house by one o'clock, you know, you're not going to see me at five after one. You're going to see me, you know, at twelve fifty nine at the door. Um, so a, a big part of it is just making sure that I'm setting, you know, proper expectations. If I if I go to give someone a professional opinion of value for their home, I'm, I'm not going to tell them it's worth more money than it is. Right. Um, Whereas, uh, you know, sometimes people have chosen to work with another broker with hopes that they're going to end up with more money. And then I get a call X number of months later saying that they were misled and they wanted me to, to take the transaction over. But it's really just being honest and, and making yeah. sure, that you, don't, you know, say, say that something can happen, you know, unless you're positive that it can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so, um, sorry, one more thing I want to add to that. The other, the other part of it was... Um, you know, whether I'm selling a condo that's a $200,000 condo or, or a $3 million lakefront property, I want both of those clients to feel like they're my only client. I want to make sure that they have a, you know, a very high level of service from me and that yeah. they can they can pick up the phone and they can call me if they've got questions. And, uh, you know, I'm not too busy for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's great. Yeah. No, I think that's 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 wonderful. And and so one of the other things, I guess, that um, is is the whole how do you manage you know, the so scope and scale of your business as your business has grown? You know, what have you done? Yeah. How do you manage that? So it's it's been, um, and, and it took me some time, but I, I've, I've really come to terms with trying to figure out where my time is best spent mm -hmm. and making sure that if there's something that someone else can be doing without, without my level of service changing to my client, right. that hands down is a, a good option for me to do. I, I don't mind spending the money to have someone do something if my time can be spent doing something, uh, you know, more productive and my time is worth a little bit more money than uh, what I'm paying to have done. Right. Try not to be the jack of all trades, try to be the master of one sort of a thing, right? Early days, I used to deliver my own just listed cards and knock on doors. And, and now I have a company that takes care of that for me. 
Absolutely. No, I think I think that's great. You know, just the power of delegation, right? And again, you're not doing that when your business is earning thirty to sixty thousand dollars a year. You're doing it at a at a higher level, right. uh, where yeah. where and there are so many things that you can do that are really going to provide value to your clients and to your business. Right. So. Right. How did you know running a business was right thing for you? What were the signs? Yeah, I'd say that the student works days are, are really was that was that reminder of of, of the satisfaction that I got out of helping someone, um, you know, with, with their home in terms of, in terms of providing a service and, and they paid for it and they appreciated, you know, the level of service that they received. And I like the feeling of being able to help somebody, you know, right. being a pleaser and being, um, being able to offer that same level of service on a, on a, just a larger scale is, is really where I knew running a business was the easiest way for me to do that. And if someone was considering venturing out into the entrepreneurial world, what what advice would you, would would you give them? Yeah, so find find um, people that have been doing it longer than yourself, and 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 find people whose brains you can pick, and, and keep keep in touch with those people because you're going to come to a lot of struggles, and right. a lot of your your closest friends and family might not be able to relate to running a business on their own. So you need to make sure that you can draw from someone that's been there before and can speak to the struggles. Um, and then just maintaining a, a level of confidence that that you're going to get there. You just need to uh, you need to be convinced that you're going to get there. And you need to remind yourself that you're going to get there. Yeah. And to take the little victories and actually appreciate them when they happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and, and certainly the you know my sense of it, especially early on in the real estate business, it's like one transaction can make a huge difference on your income. So it's like, you know, months and months and months could go before you have that transaction, but it's yep. all of that work that leads to that. And it's yeah, in it. And, yeah. and every year when we do our, our goal planning and our, our team exercises, it's always scary to say, where's all the business coming from? Yes. <laughs> right. You're only as good as your last deal, they say. Yes. <laughs> um, and so how do you keep learning, Greg? What do you do about, you know, uh, continued personal development? Yeah. So as, as much as we can, I'm um, I'm involved in, in getting out to any real estate conferences or, or industry conferences. Royal Page runs a semi-annual conference all over right. Canada. Involved in attendance for, and even tomorrow there's a um, a real estate conference out in Hamilton that I'm going to be going with another colleague. And it's just again from industry leaders and from you know the the uh, markets across both Canada and the U.S. Just listening to people that have uh, more experience than me and listening to people that have grown their teams to a larger level right. um, and, and figuring out which direction I want to go with things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And um, as you went to, uh, you know, from a teenager, you know, slash university student to a business owner, um, uh, what did you have to change about yourself, Greg? Yeah, I would say just the, the the professional side of things is was was a big one. You know, still being young, but but trying to be. You can't. You're not being approached or hired by clients um, because you're going to be the the you know the student uh, style. Which you know, in, in a student works world, that was you know one of the one of the the attributes is you know we're young and we're students and you're helping us you know earn our money and yeah. There's a bit of a switch where when I'm getting hired and I'm. You know, I'm no longer viewed as a student, um, so I needed to, from a professional capacity, really focus more on um, appearance, I would say, is the biggest thing, being young. So, yeah. you know, I always used to wear a tie every day, and I always used to um, be a lot more focused on my, my image to make sure that the, the corporate or the, the professional world accepted me, yeah. 
Right, right. So early on, you know, you always aired on becoming a little bit more professional or formal, yeah. even perhaps than you were. You always overdressed normally with early days, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and just just with that, and you and you really what you're doing is you're signaling, you're signaling, you know, that that. I'm more mature than you think. I know I'm young, but no, I'm, yeah. And, and, and that's, it's, it's a signal for people for, for that, you know? And again, you know, we were talking about it. I know you've got some gray hair growing in early. Yeah, which is good. Which is yeah, good. exactly. It's yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And so, so for me, I, I keep my hair trimmed uh, and I do just cause it's signaling I'm young, you know, sure. like, like, in, and, and you can't really tell the, the gray hair. Um, and it's it's just it's something again standing in the way of your client. You don't want that to be there. So it's like oh okay, and uh, you know this person's trying, this person's got it, you know that sort of thing. You know where if you were coming dressed as maybe uh, you know casual twenty year old because when you got started you were in your twenties, that wouldn't have worked, right? That would have been really challenging for you to overcome. So um, great fun. Uh, Greg's, Greg's uh, you know, area in Burlington just had a power outage, but we are continuing, uh, you know, the podcast. So we were, Greg has called back into our Zoom, uh, Zoom focus to sort of wrap up the final, final questions. Normal things don't stop you and I, Greg. You know, we get the result, no, no, right? No chance. No chance. <laughs> so, try, try, try again. And it's, it, it is just such a, such an interesting example. And by the way, as well, like it, this is kind of interesting as well. This could be frustrating. Okay. Um, you know, like, like, look, you know, our first podcast, Christopher, you know, something happened and it didn't record <laughs> our second podcast. There's, there's a power outage, but instead of taking it, like there's a frustration, it's just, it's just, Oh, is that funny? Right. We go to, Oh, yeah. is this ever funny? Oh, yeah. Is this, is this, Oh yeah. my God. Like, and it really is just a great example of, of, you know, just, just reframing the things that don't go right in our world, you know? Oh, okay. Hey, yeah. There's, there's, there's very, yeah. There's very little that can happen. That's going to give me a bad day for sure. No, yeah. I, I'm always, I'm always trying to keep things positive. And, um, you know, I, I sometimes get accused by my wife of, uh, <laughs> of, of not caring enough about stuff that I should be caring about in a, in a negative sense. But for me, it's, uh, you know, we have a really good life and uh, it, it's, it's hard to, Forget that for me. Um, yeah. I, I'd like to constantly keep myself reminded of that. And I'm the same. And it's also why we work great in teams because some people should be looking out for, you know, things that are, are not going well and be all over those right. things and helping manage right. those things. And then, okay, Greg and Chris will be out in the way, you know, dealing with all those things and just uh, putting a positive spin on it and creating a solution. Exactly. And then, okay, let's, let's move on. And how do we wrap up this podcast and deliver a great podcast for our leaders. So, so uh, <laughs> thanks for your commitment. So, so we just had a couple more questions. So if someone wanted to do what you do, what key habits would they have to steal from you? What's the secret to your success? Yeah. So that would, um, that would kind of be what we touched on a little bit. Uh, I, I might've, um, I might've run into that when, when I was telling you about the, uh, the transition, but basically, uh, yeah, maintaining a positive attitude like we just chatted about is oh, a big yeah. one because you know there's going to be a lot of a lot of days where things don't go the way you want them to do, and a lot of deals that might not come together as quickly as you want them to come together. The listing might not always come your way, but you know, knowing that there's always another another uh, opportunity, and and there's lots of business out there, and and keeping things positive, keeping things light, and reminding yourself that you're 
you're really uh, doing something that um, people are going to appreciate. You know, you're looking out for their best interests and you only want to be working with people if, if they agree and they want to be working with you too. Um, but yeah, I would say punctuality and, um, and making sure that, um, you know, if you're setting that commitment that it, that it happens is, is probably the big one for me. That's, that's always been a, a huge thing because, you know, I, 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 you only get one first impression for starters, but you also only get, you know, your, your word, uh, trust. If people are going to trust, they're going to trust. And if they're not, then that's, uh, that's on you. Yeah. Yeah. The four referability habits, right? Like I just see how yeah. you just, you live them and you have a really, really high level of integrity again, integrity in your word. And that's just so powerful. You would think that it's, it, you know, that would be common, but it is not common. And so just it's, those it simple shocks things. Me. It shocks yeah. me that it's not. Yeah. But you're yeah. right. It's not at all. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, you know, I, last night I, I have a, I have a, a subscription of Raptors tickets. I, I go to five games a year and, and, uh, um, with a group of lawyers and doctors, um, and, and I, I have five, five tickets. So we, we, we choose the tickets every year. And I was really surprised that at 532, I was called in to start picking the teams and they'd already selected and drawn the, the things and that, that we were starting like literally right on time. And I just went, wow, that's, that's awesome. And, and, and maybe I shouldn't because these, you know, judges and lawyers and, and senior people sure. are really ripping it in the, uh, in the economy. No surprise. But it, it's my, my level of expectations are is that people won't do that. My level of expectations Correct. is they're, they're not. Correct. Yep. And, and for our leaders as well, one of the great things, and, and I don't know this to be the case just so everyone knows, but I'm, I'm leaping to, to what it is, 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 that, is that there is a, a level of confidence when your, your lifestyle is much lower than what your, your spend is. So early on in, in, in Greg's career, Greg spent time at home so that his lifestyle was less than what he, he was earning. And, and so that now I imagine as well, even though his lifestyle is, is bigger, et cetera, but there's still a big gap between what he's spending and what he's earning. So that if he's got a, you know, not as good a month or not as good eight weeks or whatever, it's okay, right? Is that something that's yeah. true too? You know, so spend yeah, less. So, yeah, so yeah, so for for me that's always been a big one, and save is, is saving's been big, but it's it's always been um, investing. Um, real estate is 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 has been has been good to us from from a from a income standpoint, but also from an investment perspective. I right. I, um, I I have been uh, kind of staying heavily involved there because you know one day when when you know I, I have less energy and, and have the ability to work a little bit less hard or if the economy changes and mm -hmm. you know I, I still want to know that there's um, there's there's you know the ability to maintain a certain level of lifestyle um, but then on the flip side is you know there is no pension in the real estate world right so yeah. we're, we're planning for, for for down the road at the same time yeah yeah and so it's but and and but what's what's great is is that that's a way you can you know, maintain a more positive attitude. It's like, okay, I, I, and, and I can just manage my expenses, keep them low so that, that it's, it's, you know, one, one favorite, but I don't know who, who told me it, but I've, I've been carrying on for a long time is it's, it's not a question of whether you win or not. It's a question of how much you win by. And a big part of yeah. that is by having a smaller base and then just, you know, being used to overperforming that, you know, and then, okay, Hey, I've got this consistently. I can overperform that base every year. And then of course you want to keep doing that. And again, putting it aside, saving it, saving it. Um, but there's just a level of, 
okay, I don't have to worry about making my rent, making my mortgage payment. Right. That provides right. stress. Yes. Yeah. In, in, our, in our industry, they call it commission breath. When, um, when, when you, know, a, you know, a seller or, or a client can just feel that all, all the agent's trying to do is, is get the deal done so they can make their buck and move on. Um, and, and that's the last thing that you want to come across because it should be the, the bottom of the priority list. And actually, that's actually something that we did talk in the last podcast. I remember you, you, you spoke about that and, t- and we talked about that it's quite common. There's, I remember reading a study, don't know where because I read so many books, but I remember reading a study that's saying that the average home on the market is this many days, but then the average person who's in the real estate world is like double of it. So that that, right. that that people will regularly leave their own home on the market knowing that the, the market could give more, but once there's a suitable or a reasonable price, bang, the, the real estate rep will sell it just to make sure that they're making their commission. Yeah, and, and that, can, that can often uh, be the case, right? There, there could be some other factors there, but for sure, uh, I've seen it, yeah. yeah. I've seen it uh, regularly. Yeah, and of and of course, there's lots going on because sometimes I know they're 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 actually setting up a, a you know a bidding war so that you know different there's yeah. there's lots of different things going on. But I remember just this one study and just just again, it's like not just the real estate rep is the person who's representing you really looking out for your best interest. That's and that's and that's right. uh, you know and and again when people do that, there's a real there's a real huge uh, value proposition and uh, that's really what works. So our final yeah. question, Greg, yeah. when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Uh, leaders of tomorrow for me are, are um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, but it's, it's just people that are, 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 you know, willing to, to take on the business world and, and the, and the entrepreneurship side of things and be comfortable of, of taking a different approach or a fresh approach or, or not conforming to the norm or what, what they're supposed to be conforming to is it, is a big one is, is um, it's very easy to fall into, you know, what's expected of you um, and, and create those feelings that don't need to be there. You know, there's, there's been a lot of that in, in all areas of life, but for the leaders of tomorrow, yeah, I think it's pushing those boundaries. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, Greg, it's very clear how, how, how you've continued to push boundaries, you know, in, in our, in our business years ago and, and sort of since, since leaving student works, uh, so pleased for your, you know, just incredible success. And thank you for, you know, going through, uh, you know, computer glitches and power outages uh, to, to make this much. podcast happen. Much, <laughs> you, you rock. I really appreciate it. Okay. Talk to you soon. All the best. Bye-bye. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, 
It's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.